What an honour to be speaking with you on Father's Day. What an honour to be a father and have two of my three here. It's always a, always a blessing. And uh, it's great that uh, we have a church that honours dads and uh, mums when it comes to Mother's Day as well. And uh, my prayer, though, is that the dads, you get more of a blessing from uh, what God says to you today than the freebies. It's nice to have the pancakes and the cookies and the dad jokes and so forth, but uh, there's more to, uh, more to it than that. And as Pam's already mentioned, I don't think there's anything more important that dads we can do than pray for our kids. And uh, even though mine are older than some of, uh, of your kids, um, some of yours are older than mine, I still pray for mine regularly. And I know I've shared that uh, in church already this year. And I just want to encourage dads particularly, but mums as well, if you don't regularly pray for your kids, do that. It's such an important thing. And if you don't know what to pray for your kids, read through the scriptures and ask God to show you a verse that really speaks to you about your children and pray that verse into their lives. If you don't know how to pray for your kids, on your knees. I'm very blessed to come from a family um, where there's been many generations of Christian people and uh, I know that my grandmother used to start the day on her knees praying for the family and uh, it's a wonderful uh, thing to, uh, to inherit. But realise too that we have someone who prays for all of us and that's Jesus. The Bible says in Romans 8 that Jesus who died and raised again to new life sits at the right hand of the Father and intercedes, pleads, prays for us. And uh, isn't that great assurance that we have Jesus regularly praying for us? You're aware our theme is um, when the church is on its knees. And the concept of kneeling before someone um, comes from a, a, a desire to honour that person, to submit to that person, um, to give them recognition that they are a greater authority than we are, or someone has power over us. And when we come before God on our knees, that's what we're saying. As a church, as a collective, we want to make sure that we are giving honour to God, that we are submitting to God, that we're not doing things in our own strength, that he is the ultimate authority. The expression on your knees can also be something uh, be used when something is brought to its knees, brought to a standstill. Um, we might hear that uh, some big business is ground to a halt through uh, mismanagement and that business has been brought to its knees. And we don't want to use that expression in the sense where we've collapsed. We've collapsed to our knees. We want to bend our knees before our knees collapse. But we want to come to God from a desire to submit to his authority and be humble to him, not because we're forced to do that. Being on our knees shouldn't be a last resort, it should be our first priority. So over the next few weeks, as Pam's mentioned, we're going to consider, are we a church that is on its knees? Are we a church that offers all it is to God? Are we a church that wants to submit to his authority, to be humble before him, to seek his will? What happens when we're a church on our knees? And the first of our subtopics in this theme is that when the church is on its knees in prayer, God's presence is perceived. And that's what I want to focus on this morning, that when we're on our knees in prayer, God's presence is perceived. 
And I want to say from the outset that while the church is the collective, and we're talking about the church being on our knees, it starts with the individuals. And what I'm saying here is relevant to the church, but it's relevant to each and, in, and every individual as well. Now, it's interesting that uh, the topic is God's presence is perceived. God is with us all the time. The Bible makes that clear. Psalm 139 verse 7 says, I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. Not that we should be trying to. But God's presence is always there. In fact, Jesus' last words in Matthew 28, 20 says, I am always with you even to the end of the age. I'm always with you even to the end of the age. So God's presence is always here. It's always there. But I think we can become oblivious to it. We can just march on through life, through the busyness, through all the things that we need to do and just become oblivious to the presence of God. And I think when we stop and we get on our knees, either literally or uh, symbolically, we can become more aware that his presence is with us all the time. There are times we need to realign ourselves to that thinking and realign ourselves to the presence of God. And that's the first point today. When we're on our knees, God's presence is perceived because we're realigned with God. Recently, in fact very recently, I was blessed to have some time on a houseboat on the Murray River. I can show you lots of wonderful photos if you want to see them afterwards. But when you're at the helm of this houseboat, and it was a big one, 43 tonne, it was a big boat, putting down the river... There are so many things to look at. There's amazing bird life, pelicans landing and flying and taking off and little swallows zipping around the front of the boat as the boat's moving and trying to catch the bugs that perhaps the boat's stirring up. Uh, There's things on the shore. Um, There's people camping in some areas. Then there's some very expensive-looking houses in other areas. And then there's the people on the boat that we're talking to and uh, there's nibblies and food and all sorts of things that are distractions. The main thing when you're at the helm of the boat, though, is keeping the boat in the centre of the river. And you have to constantly realign yourself to that, to shut off the distractions and think, what is the primary task at the moment? And even if it's a straight stretch of the river and you're holding that, Greg, are they called steering wheels? What? At the helm, Greg, Greg's a sailor. Even when you're there steering the boat with whatever device you use to steer the boat with, you have to constantly realign it. You can hold it straight and think that's where we're going, but it could be that the current of the river just moves you slightly off course. At one stage there was a bit of a breeze coming head on, and it was only a few degrees off course, and the breeze would push you further off course. And uh, then there's bends and twists in the river. So it's not a matter of just holding this wheel still. It's always realigning. And I think that that's what we need to do as well. That as we're travelling down life's river, we're not being too distracted by what's around and we're making the adjustments that we need to, realigning ourselves with God. And I think when we're on our knees and we perceive that his presence is with us, then we're realigning ourselves to God. There's a wonderful psalm, 95 verses 6 and 7. Let's have a look at it. And I think this is the perfect psalm to help us realign ourselves with God. Uh, It says, 
Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. Just hold it on that screen a sec, Caleb. We'll just go back one. So I think if we're going to realign ourselves, let's remember that we need to worship God, bow down before him, kneel before him because he is our maker. And sometimes we just need to be realigned with that. God, you are my maker and I want to realign myself with you, get on my knees and bow down and worship you. Thanks, Caleb. So the next verse there, for he is our God. We are the people he watches over, the flock under his care. Great words for realigning as well. That he is our God. He's not some God out there in the distance. He is our God. and We need to perceive his presence with us. He watches over us, the flock under his care. They're great words of comfort as well. And that last one, if you would only listen to his voice today. They're great verses for realigning ourselves with God. The second thing about being on our knees, God's presence is perceived because we can be still and know that he is God. Be still and know that he is God. Now the thing about being on your knees, if you really are on your knees, is that you can't really do anything or go anywhere. and You can't move quickly. You have to be still. Last year I was thrilled to watch a school musical of, uh, of the movie Shrek. And if you know that movie Shrek, um, the villain is Lord Farquaad and he's just this short little guy. And uh, to play a short little guy in the musical, the actor had to get on his knees and the costume that was made um, had little short legs that sort of came down from here so when the character was on his knees it looked like the costume uh, legs were on the ground. It was quite, uh, quite uh, entertaining. But this character couldn't move very far on his knees. You know, if he had to move from this part of the stage, even just a couple of metres to here, it was quite an effort and quite humorous as well. But that's the thing about being on your knees. You have to be still. And so it just stops us from racing around through the day and just causes us to be still and know that he is God. In the Old Testament, there was a prophet, Elijah, and uh, he performed many amazing miracles and spoke for God and spoke out against uh, people who were worshipping false gods. Um, and it was, it was a big thing. And there were times where he was just exhausted and uh, he had his down times. He was a bit depressed as well. And there was one time where uh, he was in a cave and he was saying, God, I'm the only one left. There's no one else who loves you and serves you. I might as well just give up now. There's no point. And God spoke to him. In 1 Kings 19, God said, Go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. <coughs> Excuse me. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And I think that when we're racing through the day, 
sometimes we're expecting that God is going to disrupt our lives and break into them in some amazingly spectacular way. Wind or earthquake or some sort of storm or fire. And in a sense, we would be more accepting of that, that God broke into my day and caused this disruption. And it was this amazingly spectacular event. But God here is saying, be still and know that I am God. And it mightn't be some spectacular thing. It mightn't be some interruption to our daily schedule. It might be that we have to create the time for that. And I think when we're on our knees... We're still, we can't move too far, and we can just hear that still voice of God. The third reason is that when we're on our knees, God's presence is perceived because our perspective is changed. The world looks different when you're on your knees. When you're standing up straight, there's things that you can see, things that cross your mind, And if you're on your knees, perspective is different. I think we get used to seeing things how we see them and thinking that's how I see it, therefore that must be the truth. But there are times where we see things and it's really not how it is. And we need God's perspective on that. There's a French philosopher who says, it is what we think we know already that often prevents us from learning. It's what we think we know already that often prevents us from learning. And we need to make sure that we're looking from God's perspective. The Bible tells us that God can do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. God has a much bigger and much different, a much more powerful perspective of reality. And we're on our knees. Our focus can change. We don't base life on what we think we know, but on what God is speaking to us. Not long after Jesus was crucified, and there were rumours that he'd been resurrected, there were two men walking along a road to a town called Emmaus. And as they were walking along, they were discussing the sad events of uh, the past few days. Of, of the death of Jesus and how there'd been rumours that someone had seen him and he'd risen from the dead, but they were confused and sad and their hearts were heavy. And all of a sudden, Jesus, who had been resurrected, was walking along beside them and they didn't know it was him. And uh, he said, why so sad? And they said, you must be the only person in all of Jerusalem who doesn't know what's happened these last few days. Jesus, who claimed to be the son of God, has died, he was crucified and there are some people that said he's been resurrected again and he's alive but we just don't know, we're confused and we're sad we don't know what's going on and as Jesus walked beside them he explained the scriptures how the son of man was prophesied to come and that he would die and suffer for the sins of the world and he would live again and he explained this to them and as they got to their destination they invited this stranger, Jesus, to come in and have a meal with them. And as he broke the bread and prayed, they suddenly realized it was Jesus. And then he was gone from their sight. In Luke 24, 31, it says, Suddenly their eyes were opened and they recognized him. A whole different perspective. 
a whole different perspective. And when they realized things from Jesus' perspective and who he was and what was happening, their hearts, and the Bible says, their hearts burned within. And if our perspective is such that we're confused and we're troubled and we're not sure what's going on, we need to look at things from Jesus' perspective. And I think if we're on our knees, we can see things from his perspective. And where our hearts are heavy, they can now burn within these two men were re-energized. They were joyous to the point of racing back to Jerusalem that evening and finding the other disciples and saying, we have seen him. He really is alive. Their perspective had changed. The fourth point, when we're on our knees, God's presence is perceived because we're reminded that God is with us. It's a very simple thing, but we are reminded that God is with us. I refer to the, uh, the story of Moses in uh, the book of Exodus. Moses was out looking after sheep. The bush was burning but not being consumed and God spoke to Moses from the bush. And he explained that he wanted Moses to lead his people out of captivity into the promised land. And in Exodus 3, verse 11, we read, But Moses protested to God, Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of, Egypt, of Israel out of Egypt? Now, that was a fair question. That was a fair question. We read the Bible and we know all about Moses and we consider him to be one of the great heroes of our faith. The story hadn't been written when God was speaking to Moses. Moses didn't know that he was going to be a great hero of faith. He saw himself as simply a shepherd. Someone who was looking after sheep and hiding from a dark secret of murder. And you imagine God saying, Moses, go before Pharaoh and ask if all of the Israelites can be released and set free. Now, the Egyptian empire was built on the backs of slaves. And the nation of the Israelites had been in captivity in Israel for 400 years. Generations and generations of Israelites had only known this way of life. And Pharaoh, the most powerful ruler of that time, and he was seen as a god. And I couldn't imagine he was going to give up his workforce just because Moses knocked on the door. Can you imagine if God said to you, go and knock on the door of one of the greatest world leaders and ask if they would give up their army, give up their workforce, give up their wealth? I can't see it happening. I won't mention any leaders' names. If you come to mind, but I won't get political. But you can imagine if God was asking you to do that, you'd say, well, who am I to go and knock on the door of Trump Tower, for example? Who am I to do that? But God's response is not to build up Moses. Oh, come on, you can do it. I've seen how you look after those sheep and they follow you. Two million Israelites would follow you just like that as well. Come on, come on, you can do it. Don't be scared. I'll, be, you know, I'll hold your hand. You'll be right. God's answer is simply, and you can read it in verse 12 there, I will be with you. That's all he says. I will be with you. And if we're on our knees 
And if we bring to God our doubts and our fears and our uncertainties that can be driving forces in our lives, God's answer is simply, I am with you. What more do we need? When we're on our knees and we know that God's presence is there in a real way, he is with us. I think if there's one thing that we most need in our lives, it's not reassurance, it's not a pat on the back necessarily. It's not resources or wealth or confidence. It's to know without a shadow of a doubt that God is with us. My last point, when we're on our knees, God's presence is perceived because we're primed for the unplanned. There's a lot of things in life that we can plan for, but there's a lot that happens that we just weren't expecting. But if we've taken time on our knees, individually or collectively, then I think we're primed and ready for those things. I started the message with a boat story. I want to finish with a boat story as well. It's about a man named James Holman. Um, He was born in the late 1700s and lived into the early 1800s. James travelled the world on his own, including visiting Russia and the newfound colony of Australia and many, many countries in between. And he did this at a time when travel for the sake of travel was unheard of. People might travel because they were part of the Navy or because they were a merchant sailor um, or because they were an explorer seeking out new lands um, or a trader wanting wealth. But for someone just to travel for the sake of travelling, it was pretty much unheard of. And one night James was asleep on a passenger boat in the River Thames in London, ready to sail early the next morning. It was a dark night. And late into that evening, when it was very dark, all on board were quiet and still and asleep. There was a mighty commotion and this ear-shattering noise of splinting timbers and creaking ropes. And uh, obviously there'd been some kind of accident. The ship lurched violently to one side. It broke its mooring. Though James didn't know what happened immediately, a coal ship had lost its way in the dark and slammed into the side of the ship that James was on. Fortunately, the ship did not sink, though it was badly damaged. And as the mask and the rigging came down, crashing on the deck, James and the other passengers found their way through the dark onto the deck. James found a railing and followed the railing up the stairs and then managed to find his way just by feeling through the dark and realised all of a sudden he was at the helm of the ship. The captain wasn't around. He was attending to some other part of the emergency. But the captain looked back and saw somebody at the helm and he started calling out commands. Bring it to the left. Bring it to the right. And through the captain speaking... James was able to steer this ship to a safe mooring where it could be repaired. The amazing thing is, James was blind. 
As a 25-year-old, he contracted a disease that caused him to go blind. The doctors had said to him that if you go to a warmer climate, perhaps your vision might be restored again. And he'd travelled to a warmer climate and that ignited his thirst for travel. But because of his blindness, other senses were heightened. He was quoted as saying that he could tell the upbringing of a person just from hearing their footsteps. He was visiting Mount Vesuvius in Italy and he could feel it rumbling and somebody was trying to describe to him what was happening. And he said, I can see better through my feet than I could with my eyes. So he was primed. And he was ready. His ability to shut out all of the commotion around him on that ship that night and focus just on the voice of the captain enabled him to steer the ship to a safe um, part for docking. Jesus also faced many unplanned circumstances. But he was primed and he was ready. People would approach Jesus. They'd ask him for healing or ask a question, must, what must I do to receive eternal life? Or they try and trap him. Is it right to heal on the Sabbath? Or demand a miracle? Or need to be fed? Or you'd have to sort out a dispute between the disciples or respond to a gathering crowd. And we know that Jesus took time to be with God. When he went out early morning to pray, I'm sure many times he was on his knees before God. And what was discussed? I don't think they went over the daily schedule. Or look what was on the plan for the next 24 hours. Or go over checklists and measure their achievements against their goals. I think it was just a matter of being in the presence of God. And priming himself for what might be ahead. Let's re-look at Psalm 95 verses 6 and 7. Actually we might just go straight to um, verse 7. Thanks Caleb. That last line, if you would only listen to his voice today. If you would only listen to his voice today. Just like James Holman was able to focus just on the voice of the captain, can we focus just on the voice of God? Can we individually, can we as a collective church, be on our knees and hear the voice of God? I'll get the band to come up, please. And can we hand out the daily, uh, the, sorry, the weekly challenge cards? Let me rephrase the question. Oh, yes, here they come. Can I just grab one, Andrew? For those who are visiting, each week this year, there's been a weekly challenge. We're up to challenge number 29. And the challenge we have this week, <coughs> excuse me, 
is each day this week, find a quiet place, grab a cushion, that's to be kind to your knees, and spend time on your knees asking God to open your eyes to his presence. Asking God to open your eyes to his presence. And the verse to remember there is from Exodus 3.12. God answered, I will be with you. I will be with you. If we do that, and if we individually see the power of God, perceive the presence of God in our lives, imagine what we as a church can do. I can't speak this message without giving you a chance, if you wish, to get on your knees this morning. If you feel comfortable, if you can manage it, that's fine. If not, that's okay as well. You can be on your knees on the inside. But it could be that you just want to spend some time before God and be aware of his presence to ask him what it is that he wants you to do to be reminded that he's with you to check your perspective on something to realign yourself in some way perhaps you're drifting down the Murray River and uh, not quite sure where it is you're going maybe you just need to be still and just stop racing around and just have some time with God So I'm going to get the band just to play a worship song. And if you want to come to the front and just spend some time on your knees or kneel where you are, or if that's not possible, kneel on the inside. This is an act of of humility, of submission, of authority, of recognition that God is God above us all. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture, and he is the shepherd who cares for the flock. Let's just have a time of quiet prayer on your knees if you wish.